Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Whitham. Welcome back to another podcast of Common Grounds Unity. We are a podcast with a mission of bringing together folks within the streams of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement. And we've had guests from across all of the streams and are so glad today to have, again, back with us, um, a a unique individual as far as what he does in the Stone Campbell movement. Um, Eric Trigestad is with us. And I say unique because I I don't know of anyone who maybe sees more and gets out and experiences more than Eric because of his role uh, with the Christian Chronicle. Um, he is the president and CEO, has been since 2019, and uh, served as editor-in-chief. So we're going to uh, get back with Eric in just a couple of minutes. But I want to say something before we get started there with uh, that conversation and discussion. I mentioned it in our last podcast, but you may have missed it. Uh, we are expressing our appreciation to Megan Rawlings for the great work that she did with our podcast as co-host. But she has taken a new role with the Solomon Foundation, uh, directing development with that great organization. Um, and so because of the travel and responsibilities there, she's had to step out of her role uh, with Common Grounds Unity. So boy, we're so thankful for all the great work she did. Look forward to having her back on the broadcast or the podcast sometime soon. But we've got co-hosting today um, uh, someone who is a professor um, has been in both streams of our movement as far as experience. Uh, Kate Blakely is a professor at Great Lakes Christian College, and Kate is back with us today. Kate, how are you? And boy, you made it through our first podcast well. Did you enjoy that experience? Oh, sure did. It was great to hear everybody asking questions and sharing stories about what God's up to all over the world. Really encouraging. Tell us a little bit just quickly about your work as a professor and, and your work in the classroom and what do you enjoy about teaching? Oh, I absolutely love teaching. Um, it is so fun to ask questions and start to just see those connections getting made in students' lives and eyes even. Um, in the middle of a classroom session, you'll be talking about something or asking a question about why. And they just they just go to town and you can just see like, wow, they're uh, they're on the move. <laughs> They're yes. getting ready to go. So I'm a professor of cross-cultural ministry here, which um, stands for a lot of different things. So I usually explain it as um, I'm interested in helping churches wherever they are, think about what it looks like to interact with the cultures and communities around them and what it looks like to try to be faithful um, in serving and having their eyes open to how they've been affected by cultures and brokenness. Um, interact and share the gospel in a way that makes sense. So it's a great job. Well, terrific. We're, we're glad you're in that role, and I know you're a blessing to your students. And uh, 
and up there in in Lansing, Michigan. It gets a little bit cold up there. It sure does. The joke is uh, that Michigan has four seasons, almost winter, winter, still winter, and construction. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) <laughs> well, Kate, welcome back. We're glad glad to have you with us again. Eric Trigestad is back with us. Eric, welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, great to be here. Enjoy speaking with you guys. Kate, why don't you kick us off? Sure thing. So, uh, Eric, a bit ago, you shared on YouTube a story about uh, Hotel Corona in Israel, and you called uh, these, this in the story, you called them housing of, houses of healing. Would you mind uh, sharing that story again with us and maybe some reflections that you've had uh, since that experience? Sure. Yeah. I've been to like 75 different countries and territories around the world working for the Christian Chronicle and International Newspaper of Churches of Christ. Well, all of that came to a screeching halt during the pandemic. So <laughs> this story actually is something I got from another podcast, believe it or not. I would I would go out and walk just because I needed to, you know get that energy out. I would scroll through Facebook. And when I found a comment that made me angry, instead of responding to it, I would just get out and walk out my frustration. So uh, right before last year's election, I was getting about 20,000 steps in before lunch some days. You know, that's kind of the way it went. But I was also listening to a lot of podcasts. And I came across one uh, called Rough Translation that's uh, from uh, NPR, from National Public Radio. And it was about how the country of Israel, which, as you know, is very divided. You know, there's the Palestinians, there's the Israelis, uh, there's there's Reformed Jews, there's Orthodox Jews. Uh, there's a whole bunch of division in that country. But then they got hit by the coronavirus and they took some of their touristy hotels and turned them into kind of recovery rooms for people who are suffering with the virus. And you can imagine you're putting, you know, you're putting Orthodox Jews, you're putting some uh, Bedouin tribes, you're you're putting some uh, Arab uh, Israelis into this the same confined space, and they're all getting over COVID nineteen. Uh, so the the podcast tells the story of a young woman that's from a Bedouin tribe and how she sat down with an elderly Jewish couple and they shared a meal together. They talked together. They laughed together. They coughed together. And then she posted this to social media. And then we're starting to see more of these posts. They're getting together and doing Zumba with each other. And, and you know, the outside world is looking at this and saying, what is going on? But these folks are united because... They have a common enemy in this virus, and they are in recovery together. Uh, And they even talked about sharing a Passover Seder and how originally they were going to divide it between the ultra-Orthodox Jews and the Reformed Jews because the ultra-Orthodox are not going to want to post stuff to social media, obviously, and they may not like folks having cell phones in there. Well, they, they tore that barrier aside. They invited this young Bedouin woman to come share the Passover Seder with them. So you've got Jews, you've got Muslims in the same room. And it just occurred to me, I'm like, wow, that is should be the church. You know, we have this pandemic of sin running loose. uh, And and then inside, I want, you know, our congregations to be these houses of healing where we 
recover from sin together. And I'm unashamed to say I took the phrase houses of healing from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's in one of the books <laughs> toward the end. Uh, but that was one of the things that jumped out at me. Uh, you know, these folks, they did, they, they got better and they didn't want to leave partly because the, the hotel Corona, as they called it, had a really nice pool. Uh, and I thought, you know what? Our, our our churches, we have pools, indoor pools mostly, you know, baptistries. <laughs> That's what we should be about. And it just really, the, the analogy there, and if you can go back and listen to this podcast, the Hotel Corona podcast from Rough Translation, and there's there's no overtly Christian themes in this, but boy, it comes out when you start to realize that we're all recovering from sin together. And can we bring people that in the outside world would be at each other's throats and realize that we're all stuck in this pandemic of sin. And can we get together and can we heal together? Because that's really what the church is supposed to be. So that was kind of what inspired that column. But it's kind of funny. I've, 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 I love that story. I love sharing that story. Uh, but it's one. Of, it's not anything that happened from personal experience. I've been blessed to go to Israel and see some of the sites and kind of experience some of that division for myself. But uh, what an amazing example they provided just by trying to get people together to recover from this terrible pandemic. And and I believe you can go on the uh, Christian Chronicle website, christianchronicle.org, and just search uh, Hotel Corona or Houses of Healing, and there's a great YouTube video there that I encourage people to watch mm-hmm. because you get pictures of what you're describing. What a great story, and uh, and what what a great analogy for what our churches need to be. It would seem, Eric, that uh, you see unity as a key component to our congregations becoming houses of healing. Are are there ways that we should be rethinking culture, narratives, attitudes, even practices, so that we can grow in this regard? Well, I think about this particularly in the context of uh, a guy named Dan Rodriguez out there at Pepperdine University, Mm. who is a big proponent of congregations that uh, have uh, that that are Spanish and English speaking. Honestly, his focus of ministry is second, third generation Latinos in the United States. And I think he may even be fourth generation that a lot of them actually grow up speaking English, but they don't really fit in with a Spanish language service that usually is kind of shoved over into the fellowship hall of a lot of uh, churches of Christ. They don't, they don't fit in there, but they don't fit in in the main auditorium and the English or kind of Anglo service. So how can we get these folks together? And uh, the, the one thing that he said that always sticks with me is this idea of like, yes, it's, it's tough to do a bilingual ministry, to have these different cultures and attitudes coming together. And his whole thing is, yes, it's tough. Yes, do it. Uh, and, and that's, that's a hard sell, I realize, because we want to be comfortable. But there's very little in the Bible that tells us that the goal of being in church is to be comfortable in the first place. And if you look at the early disciples, you can describe them in a lot of different ways. Comfortable probably would not make the list of ways to describe the first century church uh, with all the things that they were going through and the way they were trying to mesh together. So it almost seems like if you're experiencing a little bit of friction and cultural differences in your own ranks, you may be doing it right. So anything we can do uh, here in Oklahoma City, where I live, uh, we have tried to really get predominantly white, predominantly black churches together uh, for events. And we've had a few outreaches. And and one of the things that we kind of hit up against that we're really on both sides struggling with is how do we get past that handshake? How do we become a part of each other's lives? And uh, as much as possible, I think the key to this is finding projects where you can work together. 
um, as I've said before, you know, congregations have a certain amount of energy, uh, and if it's not focused outwardly, it's going to be focused inwardly, and you're going to start tearing each other apart. Uh, if you can find a project to do together with a, a joint task, uh, accomplishing a goal together, whether it's a construction project, a mission trip, uh, anything like that, I think is useful. I've been blessed to be alongside folks on mission trips internationally. I'm kind of the fly on the wall. I go into these situations. I don't really, usually I'm, I'm covering a church that I don't go to. I don't know any of the people before I get there. But by the end of that trip, you know, we've bonded. We know each other because we've kind of been united in this common experience, common goal, as it were. So as, as many of these kind of projects as we can get going together, I think that's a, that's a big blessing. And when you have that shared goal, I think a lot of the cultural differences, a lot of the attitudes, the, those things kind of melt away and you see them for what they are as not the defining characteristics of what it means to be a church. So that's a little idealized, I realize, because you get into the nitty gritty of this and having to live with each other every day. And it becomes tough because we want that comfort. We want that stability. And it may seem elusive at times when we're really working to put diverse groups together in the same room. But again, just like in Hotel Corona, it's realizing that we do have this common goal of recovery from sin, of taking this message to a lost and dying world that increasingly, let's face it, is determined to just tear itself apart, to divide over issues of race, over politics, over you name it. Uh, as much as we can prevent, present, I'm sorry, this unified front to the rest of the world and, sh and show them that this is what we do in the church, even though we have differences. Uh, that's a huge witness. So again, it feels a little idealized, but that's kind of where I'm going with all this. Well, that's an another great quotable quote. You know, Jesus never, never said, uh, if any man comes after me, let him take up his cross and be comfortable. That's right. um, <laughs> powerful thought. The Chronicle asked ministers and uh, members of Churches of Christ um, about their thoughts and plans for a post-pandemic future in a, an article I think is in, entitled A Redefined Church. Would you mind sharing some of your thoughts or reflections, insights from uh, from this the process of putting that article together? Well, it, it started, you know, even late in 2020. And there's been, uh, I think Tom Rainer's written a book on the post-quarantine church. And so there's been a lot of, you know, folks were talking about this early on. Where do we go? once this thing is behind us right. and what has changed. We wanted to be a part of that discussion. It was a little different than what we do at the Christian Chronicle, usually looking at the way things are and looking ahead at the way things might be. So we started writing that. Unfortunately, what's what's heavy on my mind right now is that we, we may have pulled the trigger on this a little too early because we, we, in fact, I was talking with Bobby Ross, our editor uh, yesterday, and we thought, wow, you know, <laughs> the series was titled the post pandemic church, but I'm not sure we're out of the pandemic yet. You know, yes. that's what do we do about this? I still think there's a lot of truth in there, but we've kind of hit the pause button on that. Uh, the fact of the matter is with all of the cataclysmic and, you know, uh, style changes that we've gone through doing things on zoom, not being in the building really does feel like we've just hit a big reset button. So, Coming back, what are the essential things? What are the ways that we can 
we can be together? What, what are some of the things that we've done in the past that maybe we don't need to do anymore? Because we almost have this opportunity now, like a blank slate. So that was kind of the, the question that I put to a lot of church leaders. And that was, you know, they said that that's the one lesson that's resonated throughout this pandemic. Uh, if you ever needed proof that the church is the people and not a building, then you really got it in the pandemic because all of a sudden the buildings were, you know, not places we could be in big groups anymore. Uh, it's just amazing to me how it turned the whole world of church aspirations upside down. Uh, the mega churches, you know, the 20,000 member churches that so many congregations long to be suddenly are super spreader events. And then what we have in Churches of Christ, we have a lot of rural congregations that have, have experienced some decline in the past years. Uh, there, and, and so you have small group of people worshiping in a large building. Well, all of a the sudden, they've got the ideal space for social distancing, and they're able to continue to meet. Some of them started getting involved in technology and were able to reconnect via Zoom with members of their congregations that had moved away. Now they can be part of the fellowship again. And folks that had uh, gone to assisted living facilities, suddenly they're back, you know, they have a seat at the table all of a sudden. So that's part of this idea of a redefined church that we see. It doesn't seem to be defined by geographic boundaries so much anymore. Uh, and, and you have people attending, quote, uh, you know, uh, churches virtually, all over the world. I've, I've sat in on worship services in Singapore. Uh, I've been part of a Bible study in South Africa. Uh, I did a comedy routine with a church leader from England. We did uh, the first, I believe, transcontinental version of Monty Python's Dead Parrot Sketch for a church conference. <laughs> Uh, and it was, we, we brought the house down. I'm not, I'm trying to be humble there, but I, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, <laughs> maybe not, but, uh, that the, the boundaries are gone now. And that's been the real liberating thing about this. So those are kind of the things that we're doing in the series. We've talked about, uh, churches that meet in backyards, churches that, you know, are, are kind of getting away from the building concept. And then uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, because I teach uh, adult Bible classes at my church, uh, how is adult Bible curriculum changing? You know, because now you've got folks that uh, they're, they're coming into your Bible class after sitting through a master class with uh, Kevin Sorkin. Uh, online or something like that, you know, the famed script writer of, of the West Wing, which is my all-time favorite TV show. So, you know, how do you compete with that? How do you make, you know, what, what, how, how do you bring something different to the Bible class? Because uh, too many of our Bible classes, I'm afraid, are just going through the same books of the Bible over and over again and giving ourselves something to do while the kids are in their Bible class. So how can we optimize that? How can we bring in new folks, teach life skills, teach things about Christian finance, things that people can really use in their lives? You know, uh, so, so that was the idea behind that series is that, you know, the floodgates are open. We've hit this reset button. Uh, where do we go from here? And uh, as soon as we get out of this temporary pause from the Delta variant or whatever, uh, we're going to get back to that. Eric, we had no idea you did comedy. Oh, yeah. Well, I can. If, if you have time, I can take you through the whole skit. Well, you know, that, not. May, that may be a bring back. Uh, yeah, Eric, yeah, exactly. A podcast in the future. Love to hear that. Um, Eric, w one of the statements in, in this article that we've been talking about was regardless of what's to come. The quote hybrid season is here to stay. 
And then it is essential that our strategies for engagement move toward a both and model. Can you expand a little bit on this idea, both uh, a both and model? Well, in that particular context, we're talking about merely the the presentation and how uh, we had a lot of churches that were meeting entirely over Zoom and then moved to in-person services, but they still had a lot of that Zoom audience that they wanted to serve. Thus, the idea of, of a both-and model. And I think one of our brethren down in Houston kind of said that's, that's the way that it has to be. And almost everyone I've talked to has said, we're, we're not going to just abandon an online service in some form. Now, the challenge there is making it engaging because it does seem like we've taken a little bit of a step backwards there when we go back to the, okay, we're having the in-person worship service and we're going to broadcast it out to an online audience. It seems like it's not quite as personal. You don't have a guy right there talking to the camera per se. So finding that kind of digital sweet spot. But nobody wants to go back and say, okay, now we are only in person and we're just going to get rid of the digital component at all. So so technologically, that's kind of what we're talking about there with, with a both and model. I think there may be a little bit of a broader application there, of course, as we see across the churches, the Stone-Campbell movement of uh, how can we do more things together? Are there projects we can work on together? Can we can we experience uh, greater unity there? So I think there is probably some broader application that comes out from that as well. One of the, the slogans of our movement uh, that's been difficult for us to practice is uh, the, the idea that we are free to differ but not to divide. Do you have some suggestions on how we might maintain the unity of the Spirit as we em- embrace what I think inevitably is a more diverse future? Well, I, I have a little bit of experience with this because I grew up in a cappella churches of Christ. Uh, when I lived in Savannah, Georgia, before I took this job for the Christian Chronicle, uh, it was the, the churches of Christ there. There were a couple of them. They had gone through a split. They were small. I loved those people dearly, but I was a single, you know, young Christian at the time. I was young back then, 20 years ago, and needed to try to connect with other singles. So I ended up worshiping with an independent Christian church, the Savannah Christian Church there. So I got to experience that side of the family as well. And the thing that jumped out to me is how much we have in common. Uh, the the uh, pastor there was a guy named Cam Huxford, and he uh, would do all these sermons about the importance of baptism uh, and I just thought, wow, this guy is speaking my language. You know, he was bringing mm-hmm. the truth of the gospel, and uh, really, uh, especially among those two streams of Stone Campbell, the the Acapella Churches of Christ and Independent Christian Churches, we have so much in common there, and there's so much that we could be talking about, focusing on the things that we uh, do have in common, and and then seeing the differences for what they are, not necessarily you know, betraying uh, the the way that we do worship or anything like that or changing that, but at least appreciating that and finding what can we work on together. Uh, I've mentioned before the uh, partnership that we see in some international missions, places like Livingstone University in Uganda, where you'll see Christian churches and churches of Christ working together. Again, keeping that energy outwardly focused on what we can do together, because we have the same goal. You know, we want to get people to heaven. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if we keep that as the main thing, uh, there's no telling what all we can accomplish, you know, working uh, side by side, even if it's not in the same building, because as we've seen from this pandemic, uh, you don't have to be in the same building 
to uh, have brothers and sisters, you know, in communion with you. As we're thinking about a, um, a more diverse future, a future with it's made up with a lot of different folks gathering. One of the things that seems to be happening is a lot of young folks are leaving um, churches, including congregations in the Stone Campbell movement. Um, any thoughts on what might be kind of contributing to that mass exodus? Um, any thoughts about what it might look like to uh, reform and rethink um, what church means and how we're how we're going about being the church? That's a million dollar question. And if I had an answer for it, you know, that's, I mean, it's, it's been the focus of the last 20 years of the Christian Chronicle. We know we're losing our young people. We have groups that uh, produce the, the stats for us on the acapella churches of Christ. And we're seeing this decline that's happened, especially in the last 20 years. So what do we do about that? Uh, where are these folks going? And some of them are going to other faith groups. Uh, we have a lot of folks that are ending up in community churches, uh, places that aren't necessarily associated with the Stone Campbell movement. But from my own, you know, kind of, uh, kind of soft investigations, I haven't gone hardcore into this. Uh, one thing that I will say is that the spirit of restoration does seem to be alive and well. And people are longing for that and people are finding spaces where they can experience this kind of restoration. So I don't, I wonder sometime if that's the legacy of the Stone Campbell movement, that maybe in the future we don't have as many of uh, churches with, with our, you know, whether it's Christian church or Church of Christ, with those names on the doors, yet we see the legacy living on. In, in groups that meet in houses, in groups that have a lot of, you know, non-traditional approaches uh, to, to the church building itself and maybe don't identify as part of the Stone Campbell movement. But I see that desire for simple New Testament Christianity out there. And I actually find that encouraging. Uh, it's amazing to talk to young people, to, the, the, you know, now and ask them questions like, do you attend, uh, do you guys worship with the Church of Christ? And I've had several of them say, uh, who even go to some of our Christian universities, Lipscomb and some of these other places, and Oklahoma Christian even that is that owns the Christian Chronicle. They say, no, I don't go to a Church of Christ. I go to a non-denominational church. <laughs> I always have to put the brakes on there and say, wait, wait, wait a second. No, that's that's us. We're we're non-denominational, <laughs> you know. But they don't see it that way. They 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 see us as just another denomination. And I lament that. And I want to teach them as much as possible. No, this is where we come from. This is who we are, and this is what we believe. And I think that message will resonate if we can kind of get that out there more. And that's what we try and do with the Christian Chronicles: just keep repeating that this is this is kind of what defines us. And sometimes I think we don't do a good enough job of doing that. Um, but I do think that spirit is alive and well among some of our young people. The the trend that is much more disturbing is the rise of people who have no real. Uh, religious affiliation at all. The the group that's identified uh, by Barna Research as nuns, uh, N-O-N-E-S. Uh, that's, that's the part that I find more disturbing is folks that are just dropping out of church entirely, uh, whether it's because they see hypocrisy there um, or for any number of reasons that it just isn't as central to their lives as, as maybe it was. Uh, I wish I could take some of these guys to Africa with me, you know, and let him see the way <laughs> that God is transforming lives overseas. Because, uh, you know, it's, it was some of these guys, if I could just get them on a mission trip, I think that would uh, that would really turn them around. I wish I had an answer for you there about, you know, 
why is this happening and what can we do about it? But that's really uh, something that our own board of trustees at the Christian Chronicle has kind of challenged us as we look toward the future of this publication. You know, those are the questions we're pondering. That's the audience we're trying to reach. And uh, so the, the, the search for those answers goes on. Well, I, I think you touched on it actually a little bit in your answer in, in that, you know, our, our goal is not to tie people to the Stone Campbell movement per se. I mean, this movement started out, and, and I think the thing that I, I just cherish about it, uh, this, this movement started out to just say, hey, we, we want to simply be Christians, be a part of the church Jesus established without a bunch of uh, denominational structure and hierarchy put on us. Let's just be free to pursue Jesus and and be Christians only, and and be eager to get into the Word. So maybe, Eric, in, in your answer there, you got at what would be very appealing to a lot of young people, to just follow Christ, get into His Word, and let it shape us and inform us. That's what I love about our movement, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful you, you highlighted that, because I think that's that's a part of where our young people would love to see us go. Amen. Um, so, well, we've had some great conversations here about, about a lot, and I want to kind of focus our question here, and it goes along a little bit with uh, that last, uh, those last couple of questions. But if, if you, as you look at the restoration movement, if you could take one of our strengths and fan it into a flame and say, man, this would really meet the need of our time, what would you choose and why? Well, I think uh, uh, the simplicity of the gospel message uh, that is not weighed down by man-made creeds or doctrines, I think if we could emphasize that more, fan that into a flame, because the world has become so increasingly complicated. But if we can show them the genuine, apolitical, life-saving, life-affirming call of the gospel— and just share that. Uh, I think that's one of our, our biggest strengths. Within our own branch, uh, I've always loved our acapella worship. You know, and I know that doesn't go across all the branches of the Stone Campbell movement, but uh, it's, you know, we've had debates within our own fellowship about, is this a biblical mandate that all worship be acapella? And my response to that has always been, I wish we would spend more time Instead of saying, well, you know, what is wrong with instrumental music, let's let's focus on what's right with acapella and how can we make that the best that it can be? And does this have to be a doctrinal thing or can we show uh, the rest of the world how beautiful this expression of worship can be? how beautiful this sacrifice of praise can be. And if we could kind of, you know, do that, we have a feature It's lapsed a little bit and we need to get it back. Uh, we call it, uh, the voices only, it used to be voices only Wednesday, voices only Sunday. We basically just go and find great acapella videos and just promote them through our website. And, uh, even today I got an email from somebody, you know, referencing one we did several months ago and wondering like, how do I get a copy of that album? This is just the most beautiful singing I've ever heard. Uh, you know, and in Europe and a lot of, uh, other parts of the world, uh, even in post-Christian Europe in particular, I'm thinking of, uh, they will get together and do acapella concerts in cathedrals, uh, in town squares, 
and they get huge audiences. And is that kind of, you know, that's the introduction to pure, simple Christianity. And I just love the simplicity of that. So in an increasingly complicated world where my life gets more, you know, with taking my kids to music practice and ballet and just constantly feeling the weight of all of the the stuff in this life, stuff that I don't really need. Um, man, if somebody could just offer me some, some simplicity, uh, I would, I just, I would grab it. So that's, that I think is the strength that Stone Campbell movement churches have that we really need to be showing the rest of the world. I love that. And, and coming out of this, I, I think um, all of our churches are seeing the need for greater simplicity. I, I don't know that too many people want to return to all the complicated things that we've made an hour on Sunday. Hmm. Um, it, it, the simplicity. Love that. And and that's a great thought to end our podcast on, Eric. It, it has been a, just a delight to have you with us and to, uh, as I said last uh, podcast, to let folks hear you. I know so many people read you. And then to introduce you to uh, a lot of folks, maybe you haven't heard of the Christian Chronicle. Um, before I ask my last question, I'm going to ask it of you and Kate as well. Um, but before I ask that, I just want to mention, uh, the Christian Chronicle website of which, uh, Eric is CEO and president and, and, and you'll see articles by Eric as well. Uh, it is christianchronicle.org. So you can find the Chronicle there, back articles, archives, um, and a whole host of resources there. So, uh, Check out the Christian Chronicle if you haven't, and and support them. They are worth supporting. They, they do a lot of great work that just blesses uh, churches both in America and around the world. Now, Eric, I want to uh, I, I want to close with a question that's a really important one. Our our slogan on Common Ground Unity is that unity starts with a cup of coffee. And, and we say that because we're, we're trying to get folks to get together in little gatherings, whether it's two or three coming together in a coffee shop uh, who might have a background in this stream of the movement or that, or a bigger group. The, the group that I've got that we gather with out here in San Diego is, you know, about a dozen folks. Um, doesn't matter the size of the group. But what is critical is uh, that we come together and, and we say around a cup of coffee. Now, we've had a lot of guests who don't like coffee, and I'm, I'm hard-pressed to fellowship with people who don't enjoy the fruit of the bean, but we're going to ask you anyway here. If Kate and I were to get together with you and sit down for a cup of coffee, how do you take your coffee? Okay, well, I've, I've got something great for you. You guys are welcome to come over to the house if you're ever in Oklahoma because I just got back from Honduras and was able to bring back uh, some freshly roasted coffee from some of our brothers and sisters in Honduras, which is great because I just finished up a bag of coffee I got from some of our brothers and sisters in the country of Eswatini, formerly Swaziland. They were selling that on the internet, so I did that. And before that, I think I had some uh, stuff from our brothers and sisters in the Dominican Republic. So I've got kind of the international coffee thing Wow, we there. do want to come to your house. It's, uh, it's 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 been pretty great. I haven't had to buy coffee in a, in a long time. I've been blessed to have it supplied uh, by several uh, mission groups. More of them are getting into the coffee business now. But yeah, I I, I love it. Drink it throughout the day. You know, cream, sugar, whatever. Uh, I, I've never had a bad cup of coffee. I don't think. Oh, that's great. That makes it easy. Oh, yeah. We we may, we may come by sooner than uh, than later. There you go, Kate. Kate, how do you take your coffee? 
if I have my druthers, as they say, I like it pretty dark with a fair bit of milk. Mm, that That's similar to my taste there, Kate. Nice. Well, listen, it sounds like the three of us could, uh, could get together and then bring our spouses into that. It'd be a great gathering. Um, Kate, it's been so good to have you with us. Hope you've enjoyed the experience. It's been great to hear everybody um, asking questions and thinking together through different things. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate the work you're doing at uh, Great Lakes Christian College. Folks, we're going to be back next week with another podcast. Eric, once again, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. It's been fun. All right. We'll try to do this again in the future. Folks, join us again. Thank you for being with us and spending your time with us. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles. Join the Facebook group or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.